All right, we are live. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops Pod. And we have uh, officially embarked on what I think is probably the uh, playoffs is probably number one for me. But I feel like, you know, the NBA has done such a good job. I don't think it gets talked about enough, but it's done such a good job of making the offseason really engaging, really fun. And it, it, it really is like a version of a soap opera. Just it's with basketball. So. Uh, today's podcast, I got my my longtime podcast buddy Sarge with me today. Sarge, say what's up to the people. What is good? I got uh, I got Sarge with me today, and uh, he has been absolutely grinding. I don't know if it was. I want to say a lot of it has to do with probably joining the league, bro, and just like now, like you have guys you're invested in. But Sarge has been absolutely ripping through this draft. Actually, has a draft guide um i believe what one through 20 yeah it's gonna be probably one through 20 with analysis and then i'm gonna probably rank 20 through 30 um and Perfect. just maybe have a couple bullet, bullet points or just get um just the 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 rankings Perfect. out on the last couple just because you know most most guys outside of the top 20 aren't gonna be ultra relevant players outside of you know a, a couple yeah and hey, if there's got certain and and i didn't really even say this we are going to basically today go through, and this is going to be the Malaga's version of the uh, draft podcast. And what I want this to be is just uh, kind of like, you know, how teachers gave study guides before big tests. The draft is the big test. And this is going to, in a way, be a study guide in which we're going to let you know kind of the rundown of, of how we see things playing out. Um, and it, like I said, Sarge has done a lot, a lot of, of, and I've read this draft guide and I'll make sure to link it to, to the listeners. Um, and it's good stuff, but a lot of research on this draft, just so you guys have an idea going into the draft, who some of these guys are, what their games are like, uh, what some potential fits are, and then um, some trades that could be uh, involved. I, I, I feel like every year it, it, it fluctuates every year. Um, but oftentimes the draft is really where trade season starts to take off. So I will say full disclaimer for me, I watch a ridiculous amount of the NBA. I don't really watch college for me. It's like, they're all dipping anyways. They're not as good. The refs are terrible. They play like glorified high school basketball, which is fine. And I understand why that's interesting to certain people, but it's not necessarily for me. But what I will say is I I read a lot. I take in a lot of information of people who do know a lot more than me. Um, and so I can, I can help kind of facilitate discussions on players, but I, you know, I'm not necessarily the guy you come to for, Oh, this guy's going to be a stud or that guy's going to be a stud, but I'm excited because there's a lot to talk about in this draft. I think in particular, you know, you hear it, weak draft, strong draft, whatever. I really do feel like this is a really strong draft. I think the top four, maybe, Probably for sure the top four. I, I can't say outside of that. But the top four this year would have went number one last year. And obviously, and, and it had an insane season. I had my concerns about it. I would have went LaMelo, and I think you could you know go either way. But this is a really, really loaded draft at the top. Um, and it has some really – some sleepy – some sleepy – some sneaky guys down at the bottom too. I'm excited to break it all down. Let's do this thing. But first off – 
And I was actually making, uh, you know, the outline for this and I come across, you know, 10th pick because we're going to go through the lottery um, today and then we'll touch on some other guys at the end. But um, with the 10th pick, I, I literally said, you know, trade scenarios because they might be using this 10th pick to get off Eric Bledsoe so that they could resign Lonzo Ball. And that's exactly what happened today. The official trade was uh, Eric Bledsoe, Jonas Valanciunas, or Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, uh, number 10, Lakers protected first, and maybe even a second? Or, or did the other team? Okay, the other team got the second. For Jonas Valanciunas, 17, and a second. Um, and for me, bro, my initial thoughts are, you know, we talk about in the league – guys are always sometimes, you know, scared to trade, but there are situations in which you can make a trade that truly does benefit both. And I think that is the case here where, you know, Bledsoe and Steven Adams coming off the books is huge and freeing up money for, um, for the Pelicans to go out and re-sign Lonzo. I'm hearing, I'm hearing that it's not a lock, but, I don't really understand why they would free up all that cap and move out of the, you know, the number 10 pick if they weren't going to go use that money with Lonzo. For me, I'm hearing Lowry rumors. I, I don't know about you. I'd rather go with the, the younger, higher upside guy in Lonzo Ball. Um, and then on the Grizzlies end, they've shown a, a really, really good ability to draft, whether it be at the, the higher end with Jaw, the lower end with guys like Desmond Bain, you know, higher end J.J., uh, even snagged Tillman last year, Melton, uh, or not, they didn't draft Melton, but, um, so I get going, getting 10 for a guy they like. Um, and it sounds like Bledsoe's not going to stay there. I don't know. It's gotta be a tough time to find a suitor for Eric Bledsoe, but, um, I'm assuming they're on that. And I, I honestly wonder, I want to get your thoughts on this, bro, because, you know, three years ago, if you had asked me, Hey, what's your thoughts on Steven Adams? I would have been like, well, like that's a guy you can count on to be your center for the next couple of years. Three years ago, he was what, probably 24, 25. Um, and he really has just become the opposite of what you look for in the league. And again, it only takes one, but you saw it last year, especially when he was playing next to Zion. The game right now, you want to create as much space for your creators as possible because when there's less space, it's harder for them to create better looks. And Steven Adams is camped out in one spot. And so it makes the defense when one of the when the one of the five guys is in the paint, it allows your defense to set up in a way uh, that just makes it tougher. So um, what, what were your overall thoughts on the trade, bro? Yeah, and I, I like the trade um, for Memphis. And I know a couple of people don't think that moving up from 17 to 10 is, is really that big of a deal. But I mean, I think in this draft, it. it I mean, you have those, those four guys that we talked about that are huge. But after that, I mean, there's a lot of really solid players kind of going into like the 14 range. Like once you get out of the lottery, it starts getting a little bit different in terms of upside, in my opinion. So I think trading up yeah. from 17 to 10 is huge for Memphis, depending on, on who they get. And they've had a, like you said, a, a track record of drafting a lot of really talented guys, a really sneaky guys that a lot of other organizations didn't see. Brandon Clark. And I think... Yeah, Brandon Clark. And I think the biggest really part of this is the Eric Bledsoe contract and how easily they can move off of it. If they're able to take that that first round pick from the Lakers that they got and Eric Bledsoe and send that somewhere, 
Sure. I think Memphis probably wins that deal because in my eyes, I don't think J-Val is, is going to put New Orleans over the edge, right? Let's say they sign Lonzo Ball or Kyle Lowry. I still don't think they're maybe in contention to, to, to compete in the West. So yeah. for me, I get it from a standpoint of getting off of, of Eric Bledsoe's contract, but I don't really think they're in that much better of a position. Yeah. I, I really, yeah, I don't think it's more so needle moving for them as a team. I think I like it because it allows you to keep a guy like Lonzo who yeah, I Yeah, so, so, so that's another part of it too. I, I'm, if they sign Lonzo, I love that deal for them. I think you and yeah. me are higher on Lonzo than most people. And I think if they did this to sign Lonzo, I love it. But if they did this to go sign Kyle Lowry, I just don't agree with it because yeah. – that doesn't move the needle for me enough. Yeah. And, and I want to touch on it too, because I think there might be people listening to this, like, yo, did you guys not watch Jonas Valanciunas last year? And like, I get it. Like, you know, uh, he is a stat stuffing machine. He, he's a guy you play in 25 minutes, you know, he's going to go get you a double double. But again, in this league stats, specifically at the center position, I feel like, stats don't always necessarily translate to the impacting of winning. And I'm not here saying JV's not a winner or anything. Like, I think he can be your starting center, but just because he's going 25 and 25 a night does not mean he has the same sort of impact that, let's say, a Joel Embiid does or, or other guys. Because one on defense, in the pick and roll – it's not even necessary that his mind's not there. He's just really, really slow. Even Joel Embiid in the pick and roll sometimes can get. But on top of that, he doesn't protect the rim the way a lot of seven-footer guys do. He doesn't. He's gotten better at shooting the three, but there are still a lot of things that JV. He's really good at what he does, but there's also a lot of things that he doesn't bring. Um, despite you know looking at a box score and you see, oh shit, he's got twenty and twenty every night. Yeah, and, and so much of the NBA now is having the ball in your wings player, your best player's hand so often mm-hmm. that you don't really need your – like Kavon Looney, for example, he's so effective for the Warriors in some cases, and he's – most people would say he's a below-average NBA player to not oh, a very good yeah. NBA player. But if you look at just what he does, like he doesn't like stat stuff, but he does have an impact on winning for the Warriors. So – like, Jay Val is great. He gets a lot of boards. He's nice on the offensive glass. He sets good screens. He can space the floor more than Steven Adams. At least he's a threat from out there. But, I mean, it's it's not really moving the, the needle too much. And so, um, for me, I think moving up from 17 to 10 for Memphis is really awesome. And if they hit on that and they get, a you know, someone in that range that is very impactful for them, I think they win this deal. And if they're able to get off that Eric Bledsoe contract, because there's no way Eric Bledsoe's playing there, man. It just it doesn't make sense, especially with all the rookie contracts in the league right now and how important those are. Um, you're just you're, – yeah. you're, they, they're going to move on from and I, and I don't think they make that deal if they don't feel confident they can find a suitor because, if anything, I mean, they might – they might just wave them. I don't know. Again, I'm not a cap guru. I don't know how much they end up having to pay, but it, it doesn't make sense for a guy like Eric Bledsoe to take away minutes from Jaw, D'Anthony Melton, Brooks, even maybe even Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain. Like it's already kind of a log jam there. Tyus Jones, like it, and Bledsoe's just one of those guys who you and you see it, especially we talk about it in our fantasy league. Like 
there's certain guys that reach their their time quicker than others. And Eric Butzo was a guy who relied on heavily on athleticism, didn't really have a jumper, still doesn't have a jumper. And now that as that athleticism kind of wanes, he fi- he finds himself in a really tough spot in still providing value for for an NBA team. Whereas three years ago, he was still seen as really really good. Like, you yeah, know. and he's not as good of a of a defender anymore either. Which you yeah. know, he used to be seen as a as an above average defender. Actually, maybe a good defender. Oh, and now he, it's just in Milwaukee two years ago. I think he made an all defensive team. Like. It's just falling off a cliff. There were times last year where it literally looked like, bro, like he had some Laurie marketing and I'm like, dude, do you even like want to play basketball? Like, like it does not look like you want to play. Um, so what, what, what side of the trade do you like better? Uh, for me, it's, it's a wash. I think it accomplishes. I think if I had to pick, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I now nah, for me it's a wash because i get it from both sides i honestly that's the thing too like we talk about bledsoe like adams can definitely play a role but like i think adam's days of even playing 30 minutes a game are done i i don't he couldn't know. He, he, he couldn't play 30 minutes a game last year dude he yeah. was banged up he couldn't play at the end of the year he was having injuries all over the place i, I mean yeah and it helps that jaron can can shoot threes and space the floor i don't know i i I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier Tillman's playing more than him next year. I, oh, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to move Steven Adams. Yeah, I wouldn't be, be surprised oh. if he doesn't play for him. So, yeah. so uh, on that end, I love moving up. And again, when you have a pick and have had the success that they've had, like you got to like that for them. But I also, you know, moving again, moving from 17 to 10 is big. But I also think if that is the price to pay for you to keep Lonzo Ball, I totally understand that. I, I, absolutely understand that and it's not like jv is some scrub right like jv is going to be you know in theory a better fit around zion williamson and and i can you imagine trying to just fend that both those two off the boards zion and, and jv that's not going to be fun so um yeah i i guess I, I see it from both ends like if i if i'm the pelicans i'd do it and if i were the grizzlies i'd do it so i, I can't even say like there's a side I prefer. It's just one of those where I think uh, it makes sense for both sides. And I'm hoping, you know, as we continue to inch forward, there's more of these deals coming. Um, yeah. And, 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 and real quick, I think that's yeah. why the NBA is so much fun, um, especially in the offseason. It's not the MLB where you got 900 people getting drafted. It's not the NFL where you got 300 people getting drafted, right? There's 60 teams in this. There's, you know, 30, 30, 30. in the first round, right? Or, excuse picks, me, yeah. there's 60 picks, 30, yeah. 30 teams in this. And like teams are, are constantly looking to move around and these guys are all recognizable. It's it was social media too. like rumors get around so quickly in, in the NBA. Like we saw it today. There was 1500 rumors about, you know, the yeah. number one pick, the number two, and pick, you know, the number like- five pick the Warriors pick it just it goes crazy on social media right and, and you know like you know for me as a Warriors fan like you know they're back there they're calling people like there are just talks I I just I would love to be like a fly on the wall and just or like no Bob Myers son or some shit just to understand like where where what have they been trying to do like what are their thoughts um, and we'll get to the worst because there are seven. But let's start um, with the Pistons. Um, number one pick this year. And and 
I, I, I really don't think there's any doubt. Uh, Cade Cunningham is going number one, even if for whatever reason the Pistons get a grandfather offer, and it sounds like they've even gotten that. Um, whoever they trade it to will take Cade Cunningham. Let's talk about Cade Cunningham. He's minus 10,000. Um, and I, it sounds as if, again, I'm not a crazy, you know, evaluator, but the evaluators I do trust put him in the same light as a Zion, as an AD, as a generational type of number one pick, a guy who at 6'8 can create his own shot and has really good feel for the game and is just really big. So when you combine that size with the handle, with the ability to get that jumper off, it just it sets the ceiling very, very high. What are your thoughts on Cade? And uh, just overall, would you? I it's sure. No, you can you can go into Mobley right now. I don't even care. Like I, I know where your mind's at. Let the people know. Let but but go through right now, kind of what your evaluation process was for Cade Cunningham and, and what your initial takeaways are. Can you hear? Sorry, me? you were yeah, you were going in and out, but I can hear you now. Okay. Um, for me, uh, for me, I love Cade Cunningham, and that's the thing. Like. That's a really tough part about it for me is because I love Evan Mobley. Like, I am convinced that this guy is going to be a superstar. But I also am convinced that Cade Cunningham is going to be a multiple-time all-star. So when yeah. I put when I put Evan Mobley at one and Cade Cunningham at two, A, it's not me doing that to just to do it so I'm different. Like, I just love Evan Mobley. And two, I'm not doing it because I don't like Cade Cunningham. Like, I love yeah. Cade Cunningham. I, I absolutely love him. But for me, I just think most people think that he is a Luka Doncic. I more see him as like a Jason Tatum where he's more strictly a scorer and not really a distributor. Um, because I watched a, a lot of Cade Cunningham, and he misses a lot of dudes that are, are, are wide open. I don't know if that's necessarily him just kind of being tunnel vision and his team stunk. I mean, there's really – Everyone knows that. I don't know if it was just him like, hey, I got to go get a bucket. Like, I don't really trust my teammates or if it's him just straight up missing guys. But the turnovers were bad this year. I think I don't think you can deny that. Um, but he's a generational talent. There, I, There's and I agree with you, bro. And, and that's what I'm saying. Talking about like shot creator, like that guy can go get his own bucket with his handle, with his moves. And he's also six, eight. So I, I really love that Jason Tatum comp. And it goes back to Tatum where like some people might say, especially in the draft process, like he's not super athletic. He's not super quick. Like, can he go by guys? But you just see like a lot of, like even my game, like I'm not like, you don't necessarily have to be super quick. It's about your handle and your mind and being able to create angles, get guys off balance. And you don't have to be quick per se to get guys off balance. And, and, and Chris Middleton, Devin Booker is not quick, you know? So for the, for me, the whole quick thing, I know people go straight to Luca and say Luca's not quick, but there's so many other examples of elite level scores who are not fast or quick and just have a handle and know how to get to their looks. And I just see that with Cade. And you're right, maybe the turnovers and, and him missing some guys is a concern. But when I talk, when I when I see interviews, when I read stuff from people who have talked to him and know him, you know he has that basketball brain. And so I, I'm not concerned about him being able to find guys and, and create for others. I think that comes. 
And I think a really underrated part of all this is like, look, you talk about where Detroit was last year. They were kind of laughing. So we were clowning them like, you know, you, you traded, you know, a guy who had promise in Kennard for 19. You, you drafted Isaiah Stewart, like Detroit and, and people, got, they didn't win last year, but I don't think people really realize, and you were playing DFS. So maybe you have a better remembering of it, but like, they competed. They do a lot of good teams. And, like, and you got to think about those draft picks, bro. They hit on every single one of them, man. You talk about from you talk about from Sadiq Bay at, at 18 or 17, wherever they took him. 19. Um, Stuart 19. 16. And then you take Aben Lee in the second round. That's a hell of a pick, man. Like he is not going to ever be, you know, a legit starting point guard in the league, but he's a hell of a backup option. And that's what you kind of look for in the second round. Like Saban Lee was playing he's a player, really, really he well. He in your rotation. And he was picked what? 46, 46, I think, or 46. 46. I, I forget. Or whatever, I can look either. right now. And even Killian, like people will shit on Killian. He obviously, he's, I will say, 38. Start of the year, Killian was god awful. But after the end, once he got hurt and came back, he showed a lot more comfortability. Uh, he's, and, and I'm not out on Killian the way I think a lot of people are. So, and he, and he could compliment Cade Cunningham in a way because he's a really good like playmaker. He had some, Cade is he the had. Score. Some, yeah. Kate is a scorer, and if you saw it, Killian Hayde has some unbelievable moments in terms of passing the ball and fitting the ball in tight windows, finding teammates, and he's pretty unselfish like that too. So I don't think he'd really have a problem with Cade Cunningham coming in and taking the majority yeah. uh, of the load I, off I of him. I love – I think that's an underrated part of all this. I think some people look at Detroit and like, oh, boring. I really think that uh, Detroit's going to surprise some people this year. I'm not going getting ahead of myself and putting them in the playoffs. But I really like what they're building there. Dwayne Casey's perfect. And there were some times this year where it was like, all right, they're putting out a starting lineup of Saban Lee, Frank Jackson, Josh Jackson, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart. And they were hanging in games that they had absolutely no business hanging in. Their culture is – they are building a culture. And I don't think it's going to be too long before, like, the Detroit Pistons are good again. And they've been just mediocre just mediocre for like 10 years really since you know Rashid Rip Chauncey Billups Ben Wallace since then they've been pretty damn bad and and they're coming back I, I really think this was a huge get for him obviously even if they got to they would have gotten the game changer but um I think it, it's, it's really, really fun there it's kind of like baby Atlanta Hawks vibes in a way not to that level you know what I mean but it's not a they're sexy, a team but- they're yeah. a team where, like, in four years, if they somehow made a run to the conference finals, like, in the in the shitty East, kind of like the Hawks did where a bunch of teams got injured, if Cade Cunningham is, is that, dude that dude that everyone thinks he is, like, I don't think you'd be too surprised because they have made some very good draft picks. Obviously, that's a long way to go. Um, but I love Cade. Um, I, I just think he does have a couple of flaws that I think people really don't want to talk about it. And a lot of people think he is unflawed and think he is, you know, that third best prospect in the last 20 years behind LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I'm just not ready to put him there yet. Okay. So I, I would ask, so who would you put third? Zion? I would put Zion m- okay. way above him. Okay. Who would you put four? Mobley? See, that, after that, it kind of gets tricky. I mean, I love okay. Mobley, but. But, but regardless, but, saying you take Zion is. I'd say more people than not would take Zion over him, but it's also because we've seen Zion Litter is an all-star in year two, right? So 
I, I just think, you know, it's perfect for the way the league's going in which cr- handle the ball, create his own shot, huge on top of all that, and just skilled, crafty, you know, like you just you, – you get that. You see that projection of like, dude, like this guy can be so, so good. Um, and, and, he, and he obviously works hard. That dude couldn't really shoot the ball in high school, right? Like when he was yeah. coming out of high school, people were saying, I don't know, like – he can pass the ball, but he can't shoot. And then he comes into college and he shoots the absolute lights out with dudes yeah. that aren't very good around him. And no all the attention is on him. There's no spacing. So obviously that guy's in the gym. You don't, you, you don't just come out and shoot 40% um, in the big 12. That just doesn't happen. Obviously the guy is, is a hard worker. So um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a multiple time all-star for me. I, I think he, he is legit. And I'm assuming uh, before we move on to each guy, we'll, we'll go your comp. You're going JT. I like J I like JT. I like a little bit of SGA in him a bit. Um, the slower, but yeah, the the slower, not super crazy, like uber athletic, but just very, you know, calm, cool and collective, always kind of making the right play. Um, everyone likes to compare him to Luca, but just, it's not there for me. Yeah. Luca, Luca, it's different. It's different. I, I feel you. All right, let's move on to number two. Um, Jalen Green on the books right now at minus 325. Um, and it just seems like, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk Jalen versus Mobley, but it just seems like the Rockets have been locked on him for a while. KPJ has been on Instagram lives talking about how much he loved him. They actually played against each other in the G League bubble, and you could tell they were boys. I think Jalen Green, Christian Wood, and, and we can get to the Mobley part aspect later, but just because Jalen Green is most likely going to be picked there at this point and things could change, I think Jalen Green, Christian Wood, and Kevin Porter Jr., that is going – that is sexy. Like, that is that is a GM's dream. I don't know – you know, they've got a long ways to go in terms of turning that talent into winning – but I, when I see Jalen Green play, I think of like, I think of kind of like Donovan Mitchell, Le- Zach Levine, not to the same extent, but Bradley if Beal. they had more flash, if they had more, he has all that, but Donovan's kind of like quiet off the court, you know, like he kind of just, that, like Jalen has that it factor, that star potential where kids, everyone, everyone's just going to gravitate towards him. Like it is super athlete too. It is beautiful to watch and i think the thing with him too is like he's come up now in a generation where he's seen like he's seen certain hoopers add certain things so i i don't think it's just like Ant edwards freak athleticism like i think he's gonna be the type of guy too where you can get it to him uh kind of like in a mid face up type of thing and jab step turn kind of jason tatum like as um from the mid post too on top of just crazy crazy athleticism long big body smooth stroke i really really think this guy ha- could lead the league in scoring and I, I think his game is absolutely beautiful to watch and and i'm super super high on him again this class is loaded at the top i think he definitely goes number one if he was l- last year too you can argue between him and mobley i still take mobley but I, I, it's not because I'm low on Jalen Green. It's because I'm very high on Mobley. Um, what are your thoughts on him? What do you think when you were running the tape on him? What are your some compare some comparisons for you? Yeah, I love Jalen Green, man. I think he has 
every single thing you want in terms of a of an offensive wing, right? Like, I don't think he's going to be the primary ball handler for a team, but mm. eventually, we know the NBA, right? Like, he'll eventually turn into it. James Harden was yeah. technically a two, turned even into being a all one. the twos, the elite twos have the ball in their hands, even if they're not a point guard. Beal, exactly, and, and and my comps for him are Bradley Beal and and uh, Zach Levine because he is an uber athlete like if you watch this guy play like he is so ridiculously athletic like it, it is some some of the dunks that he had in the G League, he just gets so high and throws the ball down so effortlessly it's just like wow like if this guy has any sort of skill on offense at all he's gonna be legit and then you keep watching and he has a bunch of dribble moves he, he can shoot the, the ball skill. off the dribble he can shoot the ball um off the catch I like, mean, you- he is he's already an elite finisher around the rim too. like there's some stats on him. He's 69 percent uh, on on shots closer than 69 percent um, or 69 percent on shots closer than five feet um, by the really rim good. in the G League. That is ridiculously good, especially with dudes in the G League are, are a lot bigger, stronger, more advanced than guys in college. So they're going to be better shot blockers for the most part. Like he can it's do every single thing that you want on offense. Like. It doesn't even matter what he can do on defense. Sure, if he is somewhat okay on defense, like I don't even care. His offensive no, his game, offensive potential is is ridiculous. And you think about it, bro. Like, and this is the part that really, really blows my mind. And, and you know, as we as the NBA continues to market itself and grow, you see it just in the international presence. Like, guys are are making it a goal of theirs since they're four years four years old. And Jalen, you're seeing that, like. Zach Levine, you look at Zach Levine right now, all-star, bucket, super athlete, but also ridiculously skilled. Zach Levine couldn't hold a candle to Jalen Green when he was 19, like comparatively right now. Like Zach Levine was nowhere close to what Jalen Green He didn't even start. Zach Levine was coming off the bench in college. That's why I was saying like he has the same elite level athleticism that Zach Levine did coming out of further ahead in skill. way further ahead in terms of shot like Zach yeah. Levine couldn't really shoot the ball either nope. in terms of yeah. shot shot creation just everything Jalen Green yeah. is so far ahead that's why the upside is absolutely ridiculous and if you told me that he was the best player out of this draft even maybe end up being better than Kate I don't think I'd be too I wouldn't like, be surprised yeah I would yeah I wouldn't be shocked and it just goes to show you like again, these guys are grinding so long and he wouldn't, it's not like, you know, like some people might say, you know, work ethic or whatever, like he wouldn't be this good already. If he hasn't absolutely grinded, don't let the, you know, Hollywood look on Insta and all that fool you. Like, I really, really think this guy has lead the, like, I'm not trying to exaggerate, like lead the league in scoring type potential. And this is the type of guy where like, high schoolers, middle schoolers, he immediately, you watch him once and he immediately becomes your favorite player because he has that, that it factor and just sexy flash that, that you're looking for. Houston is going to be absolutely so fun to watch next year uh, with KPJ and him. And, and KPJ is, he's talked about it. Like he wants to be a point guard and he's more than showcased the playmaking ability last year. I think those two – some people might say, oh, they'll clash. I think those two are going to be really, really fun together. They got a long way to go in terms of, you know, grinding out some ball games and winning, but they don't need to really worry about that right now. They're literally 19 and 21. So, 
Uh, I'm really, really excited to watch Houston next year. And I think that's going to be a super fun pairing. Uh, and I love, I, I love the Levine and Beal comps. I, I, I think it's, I think he's more athletic than both. I know he's more athletic than both of them. Levine's a freak jumper. I, I still think I'll take Jalen's athleticism. Um, and I think he was, he's miles more skilled than both of them were in, in college. So uh, the sky is the absolute limit for that guy. And it's rare. I mean, we saw it last year, but if you think about it, I, this is just off gut feel. I could be completely wrong, but I think it's rare for two guards nowadays to be like number one prospects. You know, like, I don't, I feel like it's usually a wing or, and you could, Jalen is a wing, but like more of a three type of wing, uh, big point guards, even some bigs. The fact that he's up there in consideration as a peer two, I'd say at this point, it just goes to show you how ridiculous his tools are. Yeah. And, and two with him, like he's going to be ridiculous in the pick and roll too. kind of like be aware if he gets anyone switched on him, it's, it's over. Like he's already got that quickness and that speed and the ability to pull back and hit Jays. Like in the pick and roll, he's going to be a dynamic. He's also like, if you watch his first G league game to his last, like they didn't play a whole lot in the G league. I think there's 15 games total, but like he improved every single game in terms of his playmaking. Like he averaged almost as many turnovers as assists. It wasn't great, but like he kept getting better and better. And that's not what he's known. Like he's known to be an off, like an off ball guard. Like he's not going to be a straight one handling the ball. Yeah. So if he can improve in the pick and roll and his playmaking, like, like we said, he is going to be just ridiculous. A hundred percent. He's a much better prospect than Ant. Like, and, and I like sure. Ant, but he is so sure. much further along than, than Ant was at this For point. For sure. And, and I think real quick, you know, I, I make, I'm in the process. It's taking a while because I'm editing. But um, I talked about it in my video on Garland. Like, I think people it's, – it's important while we're going through these guys. It, people, like, they want to go through the numbers and efficiency. And I've been, I've been a victim of this, too. I've done this in the past. But people want to go so deep into these numbers, whether it be in college or the G League or the guy's first one or two years. Like, bro, they're 18, 19. Like, who stop making the number? And they're important to an extent. Dude, Jalen Green had good numbers, though, in my No, I know, but people want to say efficient. Like, what is more important right now is, like, just use your eyes and see what they can do on a basketball court and and realize that with time and reps – that's when the consistency comes. You don't have to worry about a guy shooting elite from the field as an 18, 19 year old, but more to your point in a league with grown men in the G G league for the most part, grown men. I mean, a lot of them are right out of college, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, He had good numbers. So stud, I, uh, he's right up there with Mobley. It just kind of depends like what your taste is, what you prefer. Do you prefer a do it all? type of rim protector who can also stretch the floor and is super mobile, or do you want to go with a guy who could damn near lead the league in scoring and go be a bucket whenever you want? Like both insanely valuable in their own way. It's like, what do you prefer? Um, but Beal Levine's your comp. Anything else you want to say before we move to the third pick? All right. Awesome. Let's jump to the third pick. The Cleveland Cavaliers got lucky. I feel like in my lifetime, they've gotten really, really lucky just in terms of a lot of, um, and they jump up here again. And, and talk about luck to get three, but talk luck in, just in terms of Mobley would be one, like 95% of the years of, of the drafts. And you're not only – you're getting him at three here, and some might point to Jared Allen because Jared Allen is clearly a five, and I think long-term Mobley projects as a five, but I don't care. 
You're getting a guy like Mobley at the third pick. That's insane value. I know you have never been higher on a prospect, so I will really give you the floor here. But I, I, I just wanted to say off the bat, I don't care that Jared Allen's a five. I think Mobley can play the four next to him while he's a young pup and then play back up five when Allen's out this year. And then maybe eventually, you, you know, you figure it out. He gets to the five. Maybe you trade Jared. Maybe he can play next to Jared for a while. Who knows? But I'll give you the floor here. I know you're insanely, insanely high on him. Talk to the people about what makes Evan Mobley so special in your house. Yeah, and when you're drafting Evan Mobley, at least for me, I'm not drafting him as a five. I'm drafting him as anything, man. Like, you, yeah. that guy can – he can guard one through five at an unbelievable – he guards guards like bigs are supposed to guard bigs, like, and guards are supposed to guard guards. Like, yeah. he is legitimately shutting He's down elite guards. Yeah. And for me, I don't care who I have on my team. Like – if I'm a team that is in the top five or the top three, I am drafting the best player available. I don't give a shit who I have on my team. I don't care that I just traded for Jared Allen. I don't care if I'm the Rockets and I want another guard. Like, I'm taking the best player available. Um, and for me, that's Evan Mobley. The guy is – I think his potential is the highest in this draft, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think he has higher upside than Kate Cunningham. For me, my comps on him are, are a mix between Anthony Davis and Chris Bosh. I love him defensively. I think he's a do-it-all guy, perfect in the pick and roll. A guy like that has the shot blocking potential as Rudy Rudy Gobert, but doesn't need to get taken off the floor um, at the end. Way of the game more mobile he, than Rudy. Exactly. Wait, but still has that elite. Like he's not as long as Gobert. Gobert probably has like a seven-eight wingspan, but he is long. Like he's got like a seven-five wingspan, and he can like he doesn't bite he has the one of the lowest foul rates i've ever seen on on a, on a true five like he doesn't foul yeah. down there he doesn't go for pump seven fakes. four wingspan and i posted that clip bro the the guy can do a backflip bro like that the guy is an absolute freak of nature so for like i start on the defensive side he's for me gonna be first team all defense multiple times in his career in my opinion like i think he's that good on defense and then when you go to offense like he is a wing type player on offense. I legitimately think he can be a guy that catches the ball in the wing and creates his own shot. Like, and that's a problem with, with, with having fives on him is he is going to go right by him. I think he's going to develop a game just depending on, on, on how hard he works. That's another thing that's so tough about this is you don't get to sit down and get like right. a, a mentality check on that's these guys. Like, I can't Mike sit Schmitt, down with Mike Schmidt uh, real quick for people who are interested in, you know, the draft and, and getting to know these prospects. Mike Schmitz does an unreal job with his segments. And he's gotten almost everyone now where he just. He's the best by far. No one even saved. He saved. That's the only good thing ESPN contributes right now is, is Mike Schmitz segments where he sits down with almost every damn near every prospect, goes through some clips. And you really get to get a, a feel for who each guy is as a person, how they're viewing the game. And it's super, super helpful. But uh, back to what you were saying, I, I agree. A lot of this is, you know, you you have what you have on tape, but ultimately, if if you're not confident that that guy is going to work to get to what he can be, you you, you can't take him. But I don't know that we have. Do you have any concerns with about that with Mobley? No, I, I legit. That's another part about Mobley is I have no concerns at all with Mobley. Like. I don't think there's a single part of his game that I'm worried about on offense or on defense. Like he is, is so 
I'm not going to say elite, but he's so good at every single aspect on offense. Like he can stretch the floor. He shot 30% as an 18 year old, 19 year old um, playing the center position. Not all of his shots were wide open too. Like he was taking shots at the end of shot clock contested. Then you, you look at him down low. He doesn't have any true post moves. I guess if you want to look at one weakness for him, it's that like, there's not a post move that he's going to go to because he's really not that strong, but he's so good in terms of with both hands. He's got a great hook. He's so big. He just jumps and finishes over guys. Like, He's already elite in terms of, of field goal percentage, uh, in terms of, of true shooting percentage. He shoots yeah. almost 70% from the line. Like, I just think – The only weakness every- for me is is strength, and that's something that you see every single guy. That's the easiest thing to put on. So, I and, can't and, and that's one of the reasons he's so versatile on defense is because he's not big, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. He, but, he, but, he's- but the frame is – Again, the guy can do a literal backflip. Like, I don't think that him put – it might not make him as mobile, but it's not going to make him to the point where he he's Brooke Lopez, you know? Like, and even Brooke Lopez is playing in the finals. Like, that's not even the best comparison. Like, he will be able to move no matter how much weight he puts on, hopefully. And the advanced stats for him are ridiculous, too. First in box score plus minus. Um, first in, in net rating per 100 possessions. Like – Everything for him um, is just off the charts. Really? Like, I, I, like Anthony Davis, I was telling you about this. When Anthony Davis w- w- was in college, obviously that guy's one of the best prospects of all time. He had like a plus 59 and a half. They were, his team yeah, was Dude was playing on Team half. USA before he played in the NBA. Like, exactly. I've never seen anyone even close to that. And Mobley is still a ways down. But he is so far ahead of everyone else and his team people talk about Kate Cunningham's team not being good his team stunk too dude like his team was not good he had his brother who was probably the second best player on the team and then outside of that I watched a couple USC teams they were not that good they should not have gone as far as and and the reason was Evan Mobley like that guy is that good on defense like he didn't even really get to do a whole lot on offense and that's why people shit on him as well he's timid he's not aggressive that wasn't his role at SC. His role at SC was sit under the basket and block the shit out of shots. When he gets into uh, an NBA system, they're going to develop that guy. He is going to be able to play, you know, 33-ish minutes a game and, and take guys off the dribble, and they're going to allow him to do whatever he wants. It does scare me if he goes to Cleveland with Jared Allen just because it's just – I don't really know. You don't know that you can trust Cleveland. I mean, this is a team exactly. that fucking lost KPJ for peanuts. So – yeah, it's not an ideal organization per se, but yeah, I'm with you. It's just a can't miss prospect and literally perfect for this this game, right? Like blocks everything, switches everything, touch, stretches the floor, unselfish. Like what I literally don't Plus- know what else you could ask for. Plus potential as, as a scorer and playmaker. He's a really yeah. good passer too, dude. People don't realize it. He is a, a really good passer for his size and for him being a center and really not getting that many touches, right? Like, yeah. he really didn't get that many touches, but every time no, he did. No, I, I mean, even in the tournament, right? Like, you know, you watch the tournament and everyone's like, all right, who are the NBA guys and Mobley? And, and yeah, they weren't running ISOs for him. And, and that, again – his ability to understand what his role was, I think, really bodes well for, you know, moving forward to just as an unselfish guy. So I'm with you, bro. Um, I, I'm with you. I don't know that I'm taking him over Cade. Are you taking him over Jalen, though? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. I'm taking him over Jalen for sure. 
And with Cade, it's more like a 1A, 1B thing. Like, you know, and I agree, you go best available, but it's close enough in my eyes that if I had creators already and I didn't have a big man, I would be okay with going Mobley over Cade Cunningham. Yeah. If I'm Houston, I'm taking Mobley. If I'm the guy, I don't yeah. like it. It's enough of a difference for me where for me, it's Mobley and Kate up there in that, in their own tier. And then I have Suggs and Jalen green. Um, actually, I probably go green slightly in his own tier over Suggs, exactly. but That's for me, I, I just, I can't take anyone at that two spot um, over, over Evan Mobley. I like him that much. I'm with you, bro. All right, let's move to, uh, Toronto, another team that got really quite lucky in the in the lottery. So lucky. They got the luckiest. Yeah, and, and it works out perfectly. This almost seems like a no-brainer. It's still only minus 170 on the books right now, uh, Jalen Suggs to Toronto. I'd assume just because I've, I've heard a lot, um, and I'm not – I'm really not – Toronto's kind of in this weird spot where, one, you know, you, you have the weird Pascal rumor. Uh, Kyle Lowry's dipping out most likely. And you have a team that's really been in the thick of winning recently and built this culture around winning and still has winning pieces like Fred Van Vliet, OG, Chris Boucher, Pascal even. Um, but now they're, they're sitting up here at four and, and they did a really good job last year. I don't think people realize like they got themselves a chance to get into the lotto. They very easily could have probably snuck in there in the play in, but they chose not to OG rested. Pascal rested. Traded norm. Yeah, traded norm. And next thing you know, you got four. Um, Let's fast forward to, you know, who they're presumably going to take, and that's Jalen Suggs. He was the talk of the town for, like, a good four months. I remember at the start of the college season, people were almost like, I might take Jalen Suggs over Kate, right? Um, And I think as the season went on, you you kind of – other guys shot up, namely Mobley and and Jalen. Uh, or green, but you also saw some sides to to Suggs as to why he maybe is not as sure of a bet as, as some of these other guys are. Uh, where are you on Suggs? What what do you like about him? What, what is kind of your projection for him in this league moving forward? Great yeah. spot though in Toronto if if Lowry's out. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that could probably go number one last year as well. Like, yeah, he, like Lamella Ball was. I know now it's easy to say, "Oh, how do you not take Lamella Ball?" Like it's Lamella Ball, right? But last year, a lot of people had concerns. I think Jalen Suggs has a lot less concerns than last year. People He's definitely probably, safer than Lamella Ball. Yeah. He probably would have gone one uh, over, um, especially with Minnesota, who. I guess it depends how you look at it, but they could really use a guy like Jalen Suggs. Um, but back to this year. I love Suggs, love his mentality, love his defense. Um, the only things that I question are, are his upside and the shot creation ability. I think everywhere else he's going to be really good. He's a little bit undersized. Um, I think he's going to struggle uh, guarding in the pick and roll a little bit um, just to start switching on bigger guys. But if, if there's anyone that can do it, it's him. The guy's an absolute stud. He's a winner. He hits yep. clutch shots. We saw it in the tournament. Um, you just you know what you're getting when you're drafting Jalen Suggs. The one thing you don't know is where that shot creation and that um, scoring yeah. ability is going to go. But everything else, you know what you're getting with him. Yeah, and even the the shot, like again, that goes back to what I was saying. Like, I he didn't shoot it great, but I, I know that guy is such a hard worker. I know that guy gets it. I know that guy is that this is what he's been wanting to do. He did it on the biggest stage, like. 
I think he's going, going to grind and get himself into a position. Well, maybe he's not an elite shot creator, but good enough where he's like can get his own looks in the pick and roll and, and just in ISO situations. So, uh, and he's I'm not good. bad at all. The only problem is you're just comparing compare him to Jalen Green yeah. and Cade Cunningham, which, which is really tough. You know, yeah. like if, if this was another draft, he'd probably be a, a good shot creator or a good shooter. You know, like he shot 33% from three, right. 50% from the field. In college, which is, this is not bad. Um, yeah. And he was surrounded by a really good team and had a little sure. bit more space than other people. But still, I mean, the guy is not a bad sh- shooter by any means. It's just Who, his probably his. Because I struggle, I, like, I struggle so, with this comp. I don't. So really I like. I liked a little bit of Drew Drew Holiday and a little bit of Cal Lowry. Okay, I, I hear a lot of Dame. You don't. You don't see that. No, Not enough of a shoot. No, dude. Dame was completely different. Dame's also. I mean. Dame is not even close to the defender Jalen Suggs. Like, I see Jalen Suggs being a really, really high-level defender at the next level. So, really? um, not like all I, NBA me, type. The, the size that kind of get, and I know you don't have to be huge to be a great defender. I just, I mean, he's not small, bro. What six? What six four? Yeah, he's six. He's six four. Yeah. Maybe grows another inch or two. No, you're six, right. Five. You're right. I uh, and, and while he's a great athlete. Nah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I, I think I go four. I go four with him too. Yeah, he he's my four, and that's those are you know what Here. I mean, like that. That yeah, they're yeah, exactly. That's the that. end of that tier. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to five. Um, and this is really interesting. Um, right now, Scotty Barnes is listed as the favorite at minus one sixty five, but I think for like you know you have a whole year cycle from last year. And I'd say for 95% of the time since last draft, it was like, all right, guys, there's a big five. And Jonathan Kaminga was seen as that fifth guy. And really since the – you know, I've been doing this for a while now because especially as a league, it makes me really, you know, get into the draft. And really once the playoffs and the NBA hit, that's where I feel like the draft research just starts to gear up. And then, the, you know, you have the workouts and stuff. And it seems like Scotty Barnes was a really, really big winner during the workout process. Like, teams fell in love with him. He killed workouts. He hit shots. That was a big concern was his jumper. And he just exuded. An energy. NBA, yeah, this energy of, like, this guy gets it. Whereas Kaminga has not necessarily done that. You still see great potential there with, with Kaminga. But I think people are starting to realize, maybe maybe not, but they're starting to see he's maybe a little bit further off than we thought. And there was this quote that came out. And again, I'll, I'll be careful with these quotes. Again, they're kids, right? They're, they're sometimes just really honest. Um, but Camino was like, yeah, I think I can contribute like in three to four years. And, and I think that's probably just him not trying to set expectations too high and, you, you know, all of that. But uh, it just seems like Barnes has this different mindset uh, that guys have bought into. And did you see that? So the I saw this thing on Athletic where the Magic like use a artificial intelligence, and that's I saw that took Cole Anthony last year, and they feel like they have a leg up on everyone because they have like this tracking thing that shows like body movements or something. That that's another thing, bro. Like you you brought this up, I think. Like 
the draft process is becoming tighter and tighter. Like people are getting so goddamn good at, at evaluating prospects that like people rarely miss anymore. Man. Yeah. Like at this time, after how much resources they pour in the interviews, they're seeing them up close. Like GMs are getting really scouting are getting really, really good at, at pinpointing exactly, you know, where guys are at. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a huge, huge Scotty Barnes guy. I, it's just tough with Kaminga. Like, I, I just don't feel like I have enough to go off of to really like, you know, get a good feel for him. Where Scotty, I've seen him in a team environment for longer. I, I see that energy and I, I really like what Scotty brings. Um, so I don't think you can go wrong at five. I wouldn't hate Kaminga, but I also wouldn't hate Scotty. It's just, he could be a little redundant with what they have there, but I, I get also with, like you said, top five, like just go with who you feel is the best. Yeah. And I, I have Barnes ahead of, of Kaminga. Um, so but if I'm the Mac about out Scotty, what, what's Scotty like? So I love Scotty, man. I think just kind of like I was talking with, with Jalen Suggs, but he's kind of a bigger version. Like I love every part about him except for his shooting. Like, he's a really good passer. He's an unbelievable defender, versatile, both on offense and defense. I could see him screening in the pick and roll. I could see him handling the ball in the pick and roll and playmaking out of it. In terms of defense, I see him guarding fives. I can see him guarding ones. Um, That's, you know, he's Draymond S. Like, that's my comp when you talk about Scotty Barnes is it's. But I think he's like a better handle too. Like, yes. and I think he has a better starting point with his shot than Draymond ever ever did. And that's why people are so intrigued by him. Um, and apparently he's been ripping threes in the process, in the draft process. Yeah, he, he's again, been knocking wide them open down. Draft, wide open threes, sure. But, like, you know, that's the accounts for something. And Scotty Barnes is super, super athletic, too. Like, He's lengthy, kind of awkward, but then he gets in transition and the guy is an uber athlete dunking on guys, um, super unselfish. If you watch him play, the dude gets fired up, whether he's on the bench or whether he's, you know, stealing the ball in transition and dunking and dancing with some teammates after not in like a, you know, an idiot dancing way, but like fired up, getting his teammates And it's infectious. It gets guys going and that's what you want, you know? Um, And and he just like, I don't know. To understand Scotty Barnes, I think the best way to put it is you just got to watch this guy play. Like, he just has an energy when he's out there on the court. He didn't play very many minutes, and I think it's just part of of Florida State and their system and what they wanted to do. But he came off the bench, played 24, 25 minutes a game, sometimes didn't close, but he did close a lot of games. Um, Huge wingspan, 7'3 wingspan. And you talk about a a program that has just – killed it lately in terms of nba guys showing up really really well i mean it goes down the line there j.i malik beasley malik beasley patrick williams had a good rookie year devin vassell i don't think people realize devin vassell had a really solid rookie year just in terms of projecting him to be a good player moving forward um is there one other guy from florida state i feel like maybe not but but regardless fits that mold then uh, i'm with you i, I think terrence man i think went to florida state too he very well i don't know he might have he might have dude no don't even tell me because you know i love this shit uh terrence man terrence man no he did 100 percent went to florida he did state. he did yeah. yeah he did um just another one yeah um 
do you want to is there anything else you want to say on scotty barnes because it's no, like I, just I, think- I like the Draymond comp but i also think he's different you know like i don't think there's a guy in the nba right now that plays like scotty barnes and that's exciting to me i think this is going to be a whole new archetype where it's similarities with draymond in he's a forward that can guard multiple positions and create for pass for others but i also think they go about how they do that differently and he has an upside score in the basketball, which Draymond never had, right? Like, legitimately, Scotty Barnes could develop into a respectable three-point shooter and maybe shooting off the bounce. Like, it is a bit of a stretch. Draymond couldn't – you Dude, knew Draymond would never do that. It confuses me, though. Like, people forget it now because he's so goddamn bad right now. And we don't have to – I'm not trying to hijack this about Draymond. But, like, there was legit stretches during our runs where Draymond Green could shoot threes. He made seven threes in a finals game that people don't remember against the Cavs. And that's just out the window now because he can't – he doesn't even look like – don't get me started. It's weird, though, how that just can go like that. But I agree in that he has a better starting point with a wide-open jumper than Draymond. Especially, yeah, Draymond from Michigan State. That, that, you'll let him take that all day. And he's longer and more athletic, which are both huge pluses. Ten times more athletic, ten times longer. All right, so I'm going to go to six, and I'm going to use Jonathan Javonis because, in my mind, that's the most accurate mock drafter. Is he a book night? He has book night. And Javoni, yeah, he's – if you go back through everyone's mock drafts over the years, his is always the closest. And and you see Woj is retweeting his shit now, and, you know, Woj knows everything. Or not everything, but Woj probably has the best shot of collective knowledge um, so if Woj and him are on the same page, I- I'm assuming Javoni has the best idea. He has book night at six and who knows, maybe that's posturing. Uh, but Kaminga sliding is, is interesting. I I'm personally, the more I've looked in, I didn't look like book night at first because I got, I looked bad shooting and I got vibes of like volume shooter, this and that. And then I, I watched the tape and I realized I did that same shit with Ant. I'm not going to do it again. That guy has a feel for the game, scoring the ball, getting downhill, creative finishes, good shooter. And you can't take a small sample size in college COVID season with not good teammates, whether it's hard to get no rhythm and just automatically say he's not a good shooter. So I think he's a lot better shooter than he showcased during that last college season. And he's really good at getting downhill just as a scorer, um, just stuff you can't teach, you know? And so for me, it's like, there's guys that can do that that aren't studs like Jordan Clarkson in terms of just like every day, 35 minutes a night. Um, but I think that's a lower end of what he can be. It's just going to be the consistency and the the rounding out of his game to be like, hey, are you Jordan Clarkson or are you – I know it's not a perfect comparison, but Zach Levine. What are your thoughts on book night? Where do you have him on your big board? So right now I'm struggling with him uh, in terms okay. of my big board. I think – I'll end up having him above Kaminga. Um, wow. I'm for sure going to have him above Kaminga. I'll probably have him at seven. Okay. Um, for me, I love him as a scorer. Um, he's got a really tight handle. He can shoot off the bounce. Um, he can spot up, shoot. Um, in terms of, of his defense, defensive potential, he's decently long. Um, he kind of gives a shit on defense. I think there is a little bit, but for me, in terms of comps, I, th- I kind of got a Derek uh, White vibe from him. I kind of got a CJ McCollum type vibe where they're just 
they're kind of just a bucket, man. And that's all you need from him. Like that, he's never going to be um, your primary guy, right? He's going to be a guy when you need a bucket. Uh, that's just what he does for you. And for me, I like him a lot. Um, I take him over some other guys. I, he, he's super streaky shooting the ball. And I think, yeah, what, where are you, where there's are you? a couple of things. And this is another thing why I don't, he had elbow surgery midway through the season and missed eight games. Um, I'm, I'm scared with injury with him a little bit. His junior year of high school, tore his MCL, had to get surgery. Again, you saw this year, another in injury, had to get surgery. I just don't like that he started off um, the last couple of years with a bunch of surgeries. Um, but I test like he passes everything I want for an offensive player. Like I said, really tight handle, has all the dribble moves in the world. He can finish around the rim with both hands. He's super crafty around the rim. Like he's not athletic enough where he's going to go dunk on people, but he goes up and under really well, um, finishes well against shot blockers. Um, and that's I just, like guys I, who can go get a bucket. You see it's it. another guy that's that's raw, right? He, he's not uber raw like Kaminga, but he's still very raw and the upside is there. And I think that's why OKC really likes him at six is they need to draft um, a guy next to SGA that is like him, just a straight bucket, straight score. Because SGA is going to be handling the ball, distributing. Um, and when he's not going, I think Booknight is a perfect guy uh, to be right next to him. But for me... I just think it's pretty simple with Book Night, man. Like, just straight score, great handle, um, has upside for in terms of creating for himself. I don't think he'll ever be a great passer. Like, yeah. just CJ McCollum type archetype for me. Uh, I'm with you. I like that. Um, my, uh, I had an interesting thought though, because like, I, I would love to be Presty right now, and and right now with all the assets I've gathered, I would be swinging for the fences, right? Like. I don't know, like, obviously I'm not, I don't have these guys lines tap, but if I'm OKC, I would be like, all right, I'll give you six. I'll give you two, two future first three. If you really make me, I'll take Kevin Love off your hands and I'll move up to three to go get Mobley. Like to me, like that is something I, if I'm a GM, if I'm Sam Presti, I'm trying to go get Mobley because this is a once in a gen, they kind of got screwed over by getting six. Like, the, the Raptors and, and the Raptors were way better than the. Can you believe that? They got six. Like, I would go package. You got 30 million first. Like, go give them however many you want to move up and go get Mobley. But I, I wonder if maybe the Cavs just aren't taking that call. But it makes sense for the Cavs, too. You get off Kevin Love. You already have Jared Allen. Move to six. Take, get two out of three other first rounders to help build that team. I don't know. I, it feels like that's something that could happen. Who knows? Maybe that still could, but it just seems like a situation where OKC could capitalize on having so many other firsts and package it with six to go get one of those mega stars who I think for sure those three at the top are no, I would be shocked if all three of those guys aren't multiple time all-stars. Jalen, I'm, I'm pretty certain. I can't say I know for a fact, but those three, you know, um, but maybe a little off topic, but. Me, I, I would I would love that 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 trade honestly. If you go do whatever you have to get to get Mobley, I think Mobley is a perfect fit next to SGA. Like I really do. Them in the pick and roll is so nasty. So yeah, I mean if you're able to do that and trade whatever to go from six, I like Book Knight, but like I said, I'm not crazy, crazy high on him like I am with Mobley. And if you're ever able to make a deal like that and you don't have to give up SGA, that's a win. Yeah. Man. Oh with and real quick. 
we, we do got to somewhat speed it up, but it'll go quicker as we get lower. But I heard we're seeing rumors that the the Thunder offered six and SGA for Cade. One that should show you one. We don't know if that's true. Right. That it could be, but we don't know. And two, that should kind of show you the light in which Cade is regarded. Like Cade could. Some people think Cade could be like the best player in the league. So and, and obviously we'll see. But uh, that to me, still, that's a little too much. Like I am really high on Chai. I, I would not trade. Chai. Some people think that Cade Cunningham is going to be Luka Doncic. Yeah. No. Straight and, up. And if he is, then yeah. Would you do six and Shai for Luka? Yes, you would. So, um, all right. Let's go to seven where my Warriors are picking. Um, and I want to talk just because I know a lot of people that listen to this are Warriors fans. Um, it's this. It's this interesting position where you've got the core, the band that has gotten you so far. And you only, you know, you only have a, you know, a limited amount of time and you have these assets that you can use. But I, I also understand as a GM, you don't want to give up the next 10 years just so you can be good this year. So I'm not asking them to completely mortgage the future just so we can have a shot this year. I'm not asking them to do that. I know it's risk versus reward, but there's got to, I hope that they are scouring every that they are calling every single team because it doesn't even have to be for me because I you know I'm high on Wiseman it doesn't have to be Godfather Wiseman 714 Wiggins for a mega star like I'm okay with 7 and 14 for Brogdon I know you don't think they take that and maybe they don't or 14 and something for Turner or some sort of like I'm okay with a smaller I'm okay with seven and seven and fourteen for Pascal. I don't know if they do that either. So again, that's part of it. I don't know where these other GMs are on this, but it would be disappointing to me if after all this, where you saw the goddamn Suns, who some people I liked them, but some people weren't even sure if they make the playoffs, were in the finals. Like, go for it. Like let let's see what these guys can do, especially people don't realize how good Clay is. I know he's hurt, but like, go for it. So with that being said, at seven, it's weird. I say all that, but like at seven, I'm okay with going with Kaminga. I I am. If he's there at seven, I know he might not be ready, but no matter who we take, it's not like, unless we murder the pick and get like a Hallie, I it's going to be tough to say who you get at seven is going to be playing crunch minutes for you in the playoffs, really moving my, the needle. So I'm okay going Kaminga, but uh, where are you at my, for the Warriors? My problem with, with, with the Warriors getting Kaminga is if you do that, you're not – the problem with Kaminga is he needs to play 30 minutes a night somewhere and get – you know, 12 to 15 shots up a night. Like he's a guy that needs to develop. He is so raw. And that is the reason why I think he's falling really far is he's not going to have a role in the war. He's just not good enough yet. They can't play him. Jordan Poole is going to be in front of that guy. Like, and, and, and I think another thing that people don't realize is we have not been good at developing players. Kerr might, you know, I, I'm not here to shit on Kerr. I've done that enough. But Kerr does not 
instill confidence in d- these dudes. He has them overthinking. Jordan Poole, who is an absolute bucket, was not getting minutes on a team that had no other scoring options besides Steph Curry. Brad Wanamaker was getting minutes over him. So Steve Kerr is not – and Kerr has his strengths, but one of his strengths is not giving young guys with talent – confidence there was should have and, been and, and, and you saw jordan pool in the g league too that's where he had all his confidence that's why and jordan pool had to go look like michael jordan in the g league to get minutes and it it shouldn't have been that way so with that i have no confidence that you're right i have no confidence that kaminga is going to be able to progress in any meaningful and you even look at wiseman like i would not be shocked at all if wise and again he was behind like it, it's hard as a big to pick and roll coverages sure but, like, I don't think Kerr made it any easier on Wiseman. They didn't simplify what he did at all. He, he was overthinking too much, and it just it, it hurt his development this year. And, and we fired half, 75% of the, the, the training staff. So they know that was an issue. And I, I honestly think Kerr deserves some of that blame. So we'll see. It's this really <laughs> weird situation where we want to win now, but going to the draft to win now is not – like it's kind of like uh, an oxymoron like you're going to an 18 19 year old to help you now like i'd rather go and, that and, and i know i'm not asking you to sell low but i think that's the best situation for the warriors too now that i really think about it is if kaminga is there at seven that's when you make the trade right because then you're gonna have someone come to you someone. yeah he's i mean that's you're looking at a team that's in rebuild mode i don't know who it is but like a magic freeze, they already have so many picks, but let's say the magic who are in full rebuild mode, they see that Kaminga is available at seven and they have an asset that they can trade you, man. Like they are going to go try to get that raw prospect that has huge, huge upside. So if the Warriors do come around across seven and Kaminga is there, that's when you trade that pick. So, so for about, me, what for me, this? I'm just saying, I, I think best case scenario is the Warriors have to trade that pick instead of going with a Kaminga type. This is my, and I agree. This is my what I keep coming down to, and uh, it might seem like a lot, and I will readily admit I'm biased because you know how I feel about Stephen Curry. But for me, I Brogdon and Turner for seven Wiseman and Wiggins keep fourteen. Go get a Duarte, Kispert, whoever that can help. Get a a great, the best, damn near the best rim protector in the league up there with Rudy with Miles Turner, who can also shoot so he can play next to Draymond. And then Brogdon, a secondary creator. You know Steph can play off the ball. Malcolm, Steph, Clay, Dre, and Turner with good bench depth. I think we've. Uh, I we probably have to include Wiggins to make the contracts work. And 14, probably. You're going to have to probably. That's what I'm saying. 14. You don't think they do Brogdon, Turner for no. Wiggins, seven and Wiseman? No. Fuck, fine, I'll give him 14. But I think that's my favorite trade at this point. And I really think it doesn't make us the favorite over the Nets, but they're a Kyrie injury away. They're a KD. In, like, we're right there, I think, maybe under the Nets, Lakers, maybe, I mean, or Clippers. Mm-hmm. We saw it with Kevin Durant, man. These guys can come back healthy. If Clay comes back, 
near the same level, kind of, a, you know, like KD's a bigger dude. Like that's tougher to come back from the, than Clay. If he's able to come back to even remotely the same level. Yeah, and Clay doesn't have to go ISO. Has he, like, he's just, he's just spotting up wetting or, or catch and shoot off a pin down. Like, but yeah, I, me, I, I would go to. So Obviously, I think I best case, play. I think best case here for the Warriors is, in my opinion, you try to keep Wiseman, you try to move seven for, you know, a Brogdon or something like that. Maybe you have to add Wiggins or something and then keep 14 and draft a, a Corey Kispert or, or, or Franz Wagner or some, something there in, in that range. Right. You know what I mean? A guy yeah. where you can have him come in and play and develop now. Um, Cause I think both of those do, both of those guys can play, especially if you move Wiggins, maybe they even start at the three um, yeah. and, and play now and you can develop them. Um, but for me, I just think best case scenario for Warriors, you move seven, you try to keep Wiseman if you can. If you're able to get that star, the Beal or whatever, and you have to move Wiseman, sure, go do it. But if you can, if people are asking too much, hold on to Wiseman, try to move seven for, you know, not necessarily a superstar, but someone that can help you win now um, and hold on to that 14. I'm super conflicted with Wiseman because like you talk, we've talked about it in the past. Like I love what he can do, man. Like there's not, like, I haven't seen a seven-footer who can run like that. He can shoot, protect the rim, seven-six wingspan. Like, the tools are out of this world. It's just about slowing down. I just don't know if – I don't know if this year is going to be enough to the point where, like, I can trust him in playoff games. And who knows? Maybe maybe he does. But for me, yeah, I'm, I'm going 7-14 Wiggins package for Turner Brogdon or 7-14 Wiggins – Wiseman, what about Pascal OG? Like, what about seven for Turner straight up? I'm doing that. It's weird because I get it. We want to develop Wiseman, but I'm I think that's it. a win win for both teams. I'm doing that. I'm a hundred percent doing that. I, you know, me, I'm higher on Turner. He, he, he has inconsistencies, he gets hurt a lot. I know he runs really weird. He's not, a, but I, I really think there's a lot of untapped stuff similar to like. It's not the same, but I don't think he's asked to do certain things in Indiana because of the way things are set up. But I actually think he can score a lot better than he's shown, not just as a shooter. I actually think he can score. Maybe not because the, the days of this are dead unless you're Joe B. Maybe not, okay, go post up and get me a bucket. But in certain situations, like I don't think it, it has to just be a pass unless it's a wide-open layup with Turner. I think he has a little bit more. And then on top of that, when he was healthy at the start of last year, that dude was blocking six shots a game. Like that guy is an absolute monster rim protector and he just hasn't been able to do it ever for 82 games. So I think people, and he's out there in fucking Indiana. So people don't really look at him, but I love miles Turner. So we'll see. I, I, the, the, my fear is just, you know, they say, quote, they come after the draft. Oh, like nothing was quite good enough. And then we go draft someone at seven and 14 and it's like, come like literally, like, I know I'm a Steph fan, but like we watched the same thing last year. Like that guy still is very, very capable. And, and we have clay and Dre, like you've seen these guys do it. Like, I, I just don't, this is like a tailor made situation where you cash in on these, on these chips for guys that can help you. So we'll see. They've been saying it for a while. I, We'll see. We'll see. 
Um, all right. I know we, we spent a lot of time. We got we to gotta speed this up if we want to get to everything. Um, we'll go eight magic. We kind of already talked about them. Yeah, eight at magic, the AI edge. Uh, Giovanni has them going moody. What are, what are your thoughts on moody? Yeah, I don't like moody. At eight, um, at all. Okay. I think if if if, if you're the magic, you swing for the fences again at eight. Yeah. Moody, I don't think has much upside. I think. No, you, is that why you, know, you don't like it? You, yeah. you want a guy with more upside. And I don't hate Moody by any means. Um, I have him probably. He'll probably end up maybe out of the lottery, uh, thirteen to seventeen range for me. I just okay. think you know what you're getting with Moody. You're getting a a guy that can knock down the open three ball. He'll 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 defend uh decently well insanely um, long have you seen that picture where he's like door he's like touching the top of the doorstop yeah he's, he's got a mass he's got a seven one wingspan for being six foot five like the dude's got a huge he's like a bro did you know, guess what bogey's wingspan is six eleven yeah i love that i i, I, I knew that but for me i just don't think moses moody has the upside um for me just from watching what I've watched, I, d- I don't think he quite has the upside for me to take him at eight. I get that. I uh, I, I like him for the Warriors at 14, but eight oh, I think I is would, too high. I would love that. I actually think – I don't necessarily disagree. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to sit here, draft him, and groom him to be, like, a Kawhi. But I do think there's some sneaky shot-creating ability, again – Early on, I'm not expecting to go to him and go get me a bucket. But I do – I wouldn't be surprised is all I'm saying. If down the line you look and Moody is more than just stand in the corner, shoot threes, and he actually has some post-face-up, mid-range turnaround to his game as a win uh, down the line. But I, I agree. The upside – and that's not even like necessarily a lock. I'm just saying I, I could see that, and that's why I would not be upset at that pick here. But again, with the magic, it's it seems a little redundant. But I do love what they've got going on there. They actually have acquired a lot of assets. I just I, I get some or I get some KCP Robert Covington type vibes from Moses Moody. Great players, guys that contribute to winning sure. teams. If you want to do that, if you're the magic, you swing for the fences on five, and maybe that's where you want to go to at at eight. Sure, but for me, if I'm the magic man, I'm taking as many swings at the fences as I can. Sure. Um, with, with my situation. And, and I'll say back to that before we move on. I totally see that. And I would say my comp is more even like McCall, where McCall okay. right right now is not, you know, shot creating, but you're seeing it a little bit more and more. And books talked about it. Like in practice, McCall goes one-on-ones. He's just not asked to do that in the game. And I think Moody could eventually get there too, where it's like at, at the start, he's going to be three and D. And then as he grows and grows and grows, okay, you're going to see a little bit of a mid-range jumper to him to where it's not just like strictly Robert Covington is just shooting a three or passing like him and KCP. Um, but I, I, I see that mold too. All right, let's go to nine. Uh, seems like the Kings are, are locked in on Franz Wagner. He's a super uh, polarizing prospect, uh, especially in our league, just because – I feel like anytime there's now, and it's gotten better lately with guys like Kristaps and Luca, but anytime there's a European white guy, I know he played at Michigan, but immediately the thought goes, he's soft, he's a shooter, not a lot of upside, not fun. Um, you've actually dived into the tape. There's a lot of a lot of people that are super high on Franz. One, because he's apparently grown to 6'11". Two, 
He's been playing basketball for a really, really long time. He's played already overseas as a professional when he was 17. And then he was a winner at Michigan. So he checks all the winning basketball boxes. I think the issues are just coming with upside. But at nine, you're started, kind of starting to get into that range where, okay, maybe upside's not as important. What? Who is Franz Wagner to you? What, what, is, what is his game? What did you see when, when you were evaluating See, and I like him a little bit more than Moody because I do think he does have a little bit of upside. I think he's better, stronger going to the rim than Moody. I think he's a little bit better at creating his own shot, even though he's a little bit bigger, more awkward. I think it's just a little bit more raw. But I like Franz Wagner, man. Like, And if he's actually 6'11", you talk about a perfect dude to be a five, a small five. Like, If he's truly 6'11", people have him as a guard or people have him as like a, a small forward. But if he's truly going to get up there to 6'11", like he's a, uh, he can't really protect the rim. That would be, a, if you put him next to like an Evan Mobley or something, yeah. sure. But like just in a small ball lineup, I think Franz Wagner playing the four maybe is, is more realistic, probably not the five, but he can spread the floor really well. Um, he's kind of like his brother on steroids in a, in a way, and that's kind of unfair to, to say, but he's a little bit more athletic, better at, at dribbling. Um, he For has sure. no left hand. That's one problem with me is, he can't shoot uh, around the room with his left hand. He always comes back to that, right? If he can develop a left hand a little bit, um, I think he'd be really scary. Um, he's a really good knockdown shooter. Like you rarely see him miss wide open threes. And if he does miss it, it's in and out. Um, he's got great touch. Uh, I like him on defense. I think he has the ability to be a versatile defender, um, defending the pick and roll, be able to switch onto bigger guys if he gets a little bit stronger. So, I like Franz and I like him more than Moses Moody. I think he has a little bit more upside. Um, I just, it'd be brutal if he went to Sacramento because I think he would die there, but. Okay. So I was actually about to talk about that. And I agree in a sense that look, Sacramento has been terrible, terribly run. They lose bogey for nothing. Draft Bagley in between four other, five other guys who could be really studs. Uh, the, the list goes on and on of, of shit they've done, but they won I, the draft last year, Tyrese Alburton. That is the no, draft. Right. That was, Finally. Um, but I was going to say, I, I don't hate the spot in Sacramento because I think that's a place where he's going to be. You've seen it actually lately, but Bagley suck. But Sacramento has actually lately been a good place for young guys to kind of get their feet under. And I know De'Aaron had a lot, you know, De'Aaron was going to be De'Aaron wherever he was. But Buddy Field got his feet in sack. Bogey blossomed in sack. Halliburton did it in sack. Rashawn Holmes was a journeyman to up until this point, And then sack was finally just kind of freed. So I like the spot for Franz in that he's not going to have a lot of pressure on him. You know, Kings fans that they, they've sucked. They've just sucked for years. They're like, they don't care. Like it's all good. They could suck. It's all, nothing changes for them. They, they've sucked. So they're fine. And there's no pressure there. He can come in on a team that's young and just kind of find his role, get those minutes. Whereas like on a warrior's, Steve Kerr, you know, they might mess you. And again, a lot of these teams are, are pretty young. You probably find playing time on a lot of these teams. But I like the idea of him being sacked in a place that runs and guns. Um, and they kind of have, you know, the front office may be shitty, but Vladi's finally out of there. Um, it seems like they've kind of turned a new leaf. Halley was able to run free. And, and it's a group of young guys where I feel like you're going, like if I put myself in Franz Wagner's shoes, I'm going to a team that's all young, kind of like-minded, and I can kind of just go hoop. I don't have to, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't hate the 
situation on the basketball court, even if the Kings have been super mental for the past couple of years. Um, That's fair. But, and, and I think they're like, if you like taking Tyrese Halliburton last, last year, it didn't win them to draft because they weren't, you know, getting one of the like absolute superstars, but Tyrese Halliburton has massive upside. I think, in terms of outside of the top three, they won that draft. Like that's a big, big oh. piece for them. And there's you a team redo that draft. He, I he mean, goes four. He, I mean, maybe he goes three, but he, you can make an argument. He goes three over Wiseman. Yeah. But I mean, you talk about the sons who passed on him. Tyrese Halliburton would have been perfect in Phoenix this year. Yeah. Um, I don't really care. You could play three guards. doesn't matter to me. Yeah, they um, did. They did do that this year. Yeah. Like yeah. that would have Tyrese Halliburton would have been perfect for them off the bench. The Kings stole him. So, I mean, he looked good in terms of development too. So if they're taking the steps in the right direction, sure. Franz Wagner can go there and develop. If he's actually six eleven, I mean, the upside is huge with him. So, I mean, I see no point in him lying about that. Like, we're all going to see him. So, <laughs> probably 6'11". All right. Last uh, last guy that I have from the Javoni Ma, um, and I, I know you're going to have a lot to say about this, but um, Javoni's pretty damn certain. And, I there again, he wouldn't really be going this, you know, being on this hill unless he, he's hearing this. Um, but the, apparently the Grizzlies are, are in love with Josh Giddy, and that's who they have. Apparently that was a big reason of why they moved up today. And again, it, it might seem like a weird fit on paper, but I, I mean, they have hit on like their last six picks. So I can't really say shit. I, I haven't done as, as much deep diving as you have, but I will say right off the bat, I'm really high on Giddy. I think he shows and, and part of it is just like I, I I watched that interview with Mike Schmitz where he sits down for 20 minutes and that guy's just a hooper. Like he genuinely loves basketball. I don't see him as like scared or like uh, trying to fit. Like the guy just gets basketball. He makes ridiculous passes that you don't make unless you really are operating up here at a, a faster pace than most. Like he's making reads way before they happen multiple triple doubles in the same league LaMelo played in with grown men, obviously not the NBA, but it, it's a, a professional league with guys getting paid to play basketball and they're, they're men. Um, obviously he has the jumper concerns, but like I, I'm not concerned uh, of his ability. It's not Ben Simmons. Like, like he's, st- he shot it more towards the end of the year. He showed an ability and he's still 18. Like maybe he's not going to step back off the dribble, but I think he'll be, you know, a good wide open shooter, got a great handle, got great size. And again, I still think the whole athleticism quickness thing when evaluating prospects is overrated. Obviously it's great when they have it, but I don't think it's one of those things where, Oh, they're just jumping down my book if they don't, because you can get by people and create space for yourself without being super quick. And there's so much evidence of that in the league. So I obviously, for me, I'm not seeing him as a guy who's going to go get 20 points a game, but I, I see a lot of similarities in him and Lonzo when they came into the league. Just maybe Lonzo was launching from three at UCLA, but just a tall playmaker who sees things before they happen, crashes the boards. There's clearly issues. But when I watch that guy with Mike Schmitz, it's like this guy already is just envisioning himself in this league. He's, he's just playing. He's hooping. 
And I, I, I don't get, I, I think at worst case, this guy's going to be a very solid starter for you. So the fit might be a little weird, but I, I, I'm really high on Giddy. Um, outside of those big, you know, Mobley Green, Cade, that's kind of like my guy that I'm betting on. Yeah, I've gone back and forth with him so many times. And to be completely honest, because I think one of the problems that this draft, the draft process has is people having to take a stand, right? I love him. I don't love him. For me, I'm so back and forth with this guy, and I really haven't made a decision on whether I think yeah, and you he don't can have do it or not because he has so many strengths that I love, but he has a ton of weaknesses that I'm worried about. One, I can't really see him playing off ball in the NBA. That's one problem I have. I don't think he shoots the ball well enough. Um, I, I just – I think he needs to – he's a guy that – he's at his best when he has the ball in his hand. So if he goes and plays next to a guy like John Morant, I just don't really see how he fits. Two, he's a below-the-rim finisher. So I think he struggles finishing against big guys around the rim um, just because he's not very athletic. He doesn't have great touch around the rim, struggle to finish in the Australian League. Um, that's another reason why – I don't know how well his game's going to transition. And then people think he has a lot of problems on defense. I'm a little worried about his defense, but I think he's big enough and he's going to grow into his body a little bit where, you know, he's going to be able to defend, not like at an elite level, but he'll be fine. Um, I just, I really struggle seeing him Real play quick, bro. off the Can ball. Can I push bro. back on something? And again, I, I'm not a, you know, pro evaluator. But I'm seeing that he he made 64% of his half-court attempts at the rim, which is pretty damn hot. That is good. So so I'm, I'm just operating under the impression that I think, he's a good finisher to, in my and I, and I think a big problem with me is he had a lot of, of, of plays where he would stop in the middle of the key and it would kind of be this weird push floater that he had that he would miss a lot. So that might have been some of the reasons of it. Maybe it was like outside of five feet. Um, but you could be right. Um, he could be a better finisher than I think. I just – I don't really see it translating that well uh, around the rim at the next level. That's fair. Um, and I think my pushback – But I, I, I do – and another problem with him is his shot, right? People think – I think his shot actually looks really good. Another thing about it, like the form and everything, I think looks good. But he's confident with his shot, man. He's not afraid to shoot that thing. Like, yeah. if you watch him, he's taken like six threes a game, whether that be contested or not. And you might think it's bad shot selection, but – I just think he's really confident in his game. I think he loves the game of basketball. Dude, I don't think he's he doing it for the, the money. He, he's not coming over from Australia to make a, a pretty penny, right? He's coming over because he wants to play at a high level, and I think he's going to work. So in terms of that, I really well, like him. But like I said, I am worried I about understand a couple the things. I do. But I'd be, I, I'd be fine with him going, you know, at – like if you wanted to take him over book night at, at six, like – Whoever's drafting it, like, I don't necessarily hate it if you're drafting for upside. So, right. like I said, I think he has a wide range of outcomes. I just – I really struggle uh, with him in a couple areas. No, and that's completely fair. Um, again, I, I think I think he's probably a little bit of a better finisher. Um, and, two, I get the off-ball concerns because right now he's not a great shooter. But I think he'll eventually work himself into the point where you can't leave him wide open. And he's a smart enough – not even smart enough. That is his game. He's extremely smart. So I don't think he's the type of guy where James Harden, I'm just going to go stand in the corner when I don't have the ball. I think he honestly can almost thrive in that secondary playmaking role where he doesn't have to have the ball 24-7. He can have it, but also in certain situations is smart enough 
to play off of guys who are elite creators like John Morant. So I'm, I'm super high on him. I get it. We, we, we do have this culture of love, hate. I, I don't really hate anyone, I'd say, but I, I do think I'm higher on Josh Giddy than, than most people are. And, and in our league, I, I do sometimes regret trading bogey for him. But um, that wraps up the top 10. We kind of got to fly through 11 through 14. Um, but actually, we don't even need to go 11 through 14. Let's just start talking about some guys that we haven't talked about that you like. So you can kind of take this in any direction. Who do you have? There's was I, I'm assuming that we one through 10 right now did not just hit every guy in your top 10. So who are some of the guys that you have uh, up there that we haven't been able to talk about? Uh, I like David on Mitchell a lot. I think you know that. Let's um, talk about David on, bro. Because I, I am how you feel so about I'm con- is me with David. Okay. And, like and a lot I of think- the things, but I also have my concerns. But where are yeah, you at with David? My biggest concern with him is his age, right? He's, he's going to be 23 years old when, when the season starts. And if you go back and look throughout the draft in the past 10 years, 23-year-olds do not do great in the NBA when they're drafted at their age. Like the best one, the curve. You know, exactly. The best one is like Cam Johnson. Like can't, like no one, no one is like a legit starting player in the NBA. Like if you look at it, it's like the Jimmer Fredettes. It's the, the Cam Johnsons. It's the, it's these guys that just, they've already kind of run through their peak. Right. Right. Um, And you, and whereas you take other guys where like, Devin Booker's been in the league damn near six years, seven years. He's 24. Miles Turner, yeah. I look right, he's about to go into his seventh year. He's 24. Like, you know, like it, it, he, these guys are just as old as some of these guys coming out. So I, I get you. Um, my biggest concerns are, yes, the age is huge. He's already that old. He's teeny. He didn't shoot the ball well from the free throw line, which is usually a good indicator. And yep. I, I, I see some, I see some scoring ability and maybe he's adding to his bag, but I don't see like this mid, like this complete three level offensive score. So you're getting a I, tiny guy who's not a three level guy who's old, didn't shoot at, at the free throw line. And I, it's a lot of red flags for me. You know, yeah, I, I think he's a three level guy to be okay. honest. That's fair. And, and I think he's a – he busts his ass, right? Like, you That's know that guy puts in absolute – I have no in. questions about the work ethic, you know? And I, I love – he's one of the quickest players I've ever watched just in terms of his first step. Like, he just blows by dudes. And I think that's going to translate really well to the next level. I don't think guys are just going to take away his quickness, if, if that makes sense. Right. I think he's going to have similar ability to blow by people. I think – his pullback dribble is really, really good. It creates a lot of space. He knocks it down efficiently. He shot like 45% from three. I don't think that is attainable at all. Uh, um, especially if he'd never done it before this year. No, he's never done it before. He had an unbelievable team around him. The three-point line is coming out. I That has to, to regress a little bit. But for me, I like it. I think he can, can, I think he can score from all three levels. But like you said, the size – the age. Um, yeah. And I will and those say, are- I, I've never, this guy's a tweet, like this guy's an NBA, like junkie. Like, like I, I outside of everyone in this draft, I, there's no one that I'm more confident in the work ethic and wanting to be like this dude literally said, like he bought tickets to the finals to go watch and study drew holiday. Like this dude is 
wants it right and, and he's so high iq man like he's exactly. so high iq so, so i had there's that aspect but that there's also definitely things that concern me so i think you know the 8 to 12 range is fair i'm not jumping him over some of these other guys but uh i also so i've seen some guys as low as like 17 to 19 with him and that's that's a little bit too low for me um I, I like him going to like a Pelicans type team where he can come off the bench, um, back up Lonzo. Probably won't, probably won't fall on 17, but yeah. Oh, yeah, because they tra- – I forgot. Yeah, I, thought, yeah. I keep thinking they have the, the 10th pick. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. not – he's not falling to 17. Um, but I, I liked him at 10. Um, I don't know. Maybe he could even be interesting in Charlotte. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Just complimenting uh, uh, LaMelo Ball. But he's an elite defender too, man. I know he's small. He's going to struggle guarding bigger forwards if, if he's switching onto him and stuff. But, I mean, in terms of, of, of guarding, um, you know, ball handlers that are, are reasonably sized, like 6'5 and smaller, he's elite, man. Like, yeah. he gets up in their shit. You saw it in the national championship game. He was picking guys up from half court and locking them down. So, All right, bro. Uh, we're, we're getting up against it. We got to fire off some of these. And, and I know we talked about doing this guy or that. I think we're going to save that for, uh, dude, it's going to be epic. I'd say a week or so after the draft, you and Kyle are going to be on, and I'm just going to do this guy versus that guy. And you guys are just going to go against each other. Um, but let's touch a couple bigger names before we sign off. Let's go to, we should talk Sangoon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to – you have the floor, bro. What's up with Sengun to you? Yeah, I like Sengun a lot, and I think he's going to struggle staying on the floor defensively, uh, especially to start his career um, for obvious reasons. The guy, he just – he's not quick enough, not big enough. He doesn't jump high enough. But on the offensive end, he has Jokic-like skill, right? Like – He's not as good of a passer, doesn't have like the same vision as Jokic, but and not as tall. Not as tall, but he has the same kind of moves down low where he just figures out a way to get the ball Ooh. in the basket. He's Ooh. a great Ooh. offensive, he's a great offensive rebounder. I love the way that his shot is going to um, translate to the NBA. Yeah. I know it was bad. Like if you just look at the at the, the numbers number. with Sangoon, yeah, they're not great, right? He shot but like 19%. Yeah, he shot 81% from the line. If you look at his stroke and the threes he shot, I think he only took 23s or 21 threes on the year, made four or something. But a lot of those came like just jacking at the end of shot clock when the time was running down or just weird situations. Like if you look at his actual form and his shot, I think he's going to be a good or decent and respectable enough three point shooter um, to where he's going to be really good in the pick and roll as both a roller and a popper. So the defense scares me a bit, um, but I think he's so skilled offensively that I'm willing to take yeah. a, a shot on him high. Totally. And for people that don't know, I, I, I like because there might be people you know they're just hearing guys for the first time. This guy won MVP in the Turkish League, yeah, as a 18 year old, right? And you watch this guy's clips; it very much is Jokic like. It's not an exaggeration. This guy's bullying dudes, grown men, as an 18-year-old. Like, that. that's the, – it's just hard to not – it's a different game, but it is hard to not be successful in the NBA if at 18 you are the best player in a professional league overseas. And the it's, part – yeah. It's widely regarded as the third best league behind behind the NBA and the European league – and uh, 
what's it called in Spain? Like that, it's the third best league. Yeah, exactly. It's not just like whatever. It's not like they're he's playing in Belgium. Like you know, and, and so you watch this guy. Like you can't teach this guy. Like, like you can't teach what this guy has. It's 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 an undeniable Jokic like feel for the game, whether it be passes off or just his his post work. And another thing that I absolutely love that I think is really underrated with Biggs is his hands. His hands are so good and it's huge for offensively, right? But I also think it's a huge for rebounds because some guys you get up there and they're just fumbling it. He inhales the ball. If it touches his hands, it's his. And I think that's huge in, in so many different ways. Jokic is, is insane at that. You see it. He just sucks him down. Um, but it's this weird thing where he does so many things well. Again, I even think he's going to be able to shoot the ball as the five. Um, but the one thing he doesn't do well can prevent him from playing, not playing, right? Because you can do all these things, but if you can't stay on the floor and pick and roll, I can't have you out there because they're just a Wiseman pick and roll every single time. And, and you saw it with someone like Wiseman, like super, super talented. That's everything you want in a basketball player, but he couldn't consistently do that. So he couldn't get consistent minutes. So it's this game of like, all right, so many good things, one bad thing. I think it, again, you take a gamble on him eventually figuring it out. Like you said, probably not going to be able to play 30 minutes a night on a good team for at least a couple of years, but the offensive upside and what he can bring and just the guy's a winner. Like the guy is a literal MVP in a league. Like I don't think you can have him fall too far. And real quick, he, he was, like I said, he's not a good shot blocker. He blocked almost two shots a game. Like, he, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to translate super well. Exactly. Yeah. He just figures out a way to block shots. And then you look at his true shooting percentage. The guy shot 70% true shooting. Like, that is ridiculous, ridiculous for, yeah. for, for someone in that kind of league. I and think he's going to be a really – yeah, I think he's going to be a really efficient player in the NBA – He's one of those guys where he's either shooting the ball right around the basket or he's taking a three. Like, he doesn't really take bad shots. He'll never be able to, like, truly create for himself or from the perimeter, but that's not the type of player he is. He's get the ball down low yeah. and Jokic from down low. And so. I think he can create for himself down there. And, and exactly. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's to the point where it's like, like, the best – this is obviously best case, but if he really starts to develop the three and hit it, you know how Jokic has the pump and then they, they come all the way out and then he's so slow, but still like you're on his hip and he's so smart that, all right, now he's getting down. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in some sort of vein like that. The only thing is like, he's a good bit smaller than, than Yoke. So I, I have trouble because there's no guy in the NBA right now. Who's six, nine, six, 10, who's slow, who is really all that good. But it's kind of Sabonis S too. It's Sabonis S. It is. No, I, I like that. Sabonis Vooch. Actually, there's Vooch, but but he's he's smaller than both of those guys still. So we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I, my, like. my my calls for them are are Vooch, Sabonis, and Yoke. Like a little bit of all three of those guys. Yeah, so which is fun. Which is really and he's a good really passer fun. too. Yeah. Um. All right. Who who are some other guys? Uh, I wish we could get to everyone, bro. But um. I'll give you one. Um, how do you feel about Kai? I like in terms of upside, that guy has enormous upside. Um, he just it, it, he's is it another take like 
I, I like him. Kai or Sengun? I'm taking Sengun. Okay. Um, I see. I I really like Kai to Charlotte. My my problem with Kai is I don't think he's humongous, right? Like he's really really big, but he's not a good shot blocker. So if he really wants to get to the point where he's going to be effective in the NBA, he's going to kind of have to be a a perimeter type score in a way like which is weird unless he can develop like actually being able to, he's not good enough in the paint he has no like post moves or anything he's just an extremely raw athlete like if you watch him play he can get a rebound run dribble the ball up the floor and go dunk it on someone but it's just weird he's just stuck in a in a 611 body but he's like a he thinks he's a guard guard yeah it'll be interesting and again upside super super high I have trouble evaluating him just because it's like, okay, this guy's so far away from what he could be. But yeah, if he does get there, going to be crazy good. Um, in terms of winning now, ready to step in, who are some of the guys that you feel are most ready to go? Yeah, like Usman Garuba in that sense a lot. Um, I really like Corey Kispert in that sense. Um, here's a rare one. I kind of like Joe Weiskamp going to like the Bucks Iowa? or something out of Iowa. Yeah. He's an unbelievable three-point shooter. He's big. He's got size. He can defend a little bit. Um, he's not going to go in the first round, but kind of like a Joe Harris type guy where you get him at the beginning of the second round and you can play him now, shoot the three ball. He's big. Like I said, defend, um, yeah. kind of switchable um, on defense, but kind of a name to look out for, see if he can make it. That's yeah. kind of a, a big time reach, but yeah, I like Usman Gruba as a win now, like Corey Kispert as a win now. So uh, real quick, I want to talk about one guy before we get out of here. Because I know who it is. Yeah. You don't seem to be all that high on him. And I know I don't expect you to be just because you went to Oregon. But where are you at on uh, Duarte? Because I got people, you know, Sam Vecini has him as high as 13 on his big board. Yeah. I he's so old, too. Like he's 24 years old, man. That guy is so old. He's Devin Booker's age. I just, I, I like everything he brings. I think he's a plug it in and play now guy, right? Like you said, um, I just, I, I don't know. Yeah. You don't see it. You don't see it. He, he's fine on defense. I think people give him a little bit more credit on defense than, than he he deserves. I think he's a fine defender, but I really don't think he's going to be really that three and D type guy. I, okay. I think he's going to be able to shoot the three ball. No where doubt. I just, three? where is he? I know you're not done, but like, he's going to be, pro- he's, he's going to be around 20 to 24. Okay. Gotcha. I'd um, rather have Kispert. I'd rather have Moody rather have um, Franz Wagner, obviously. Um, I don't know. Depending on who's, Who's choosing? I'd rather take shots on like a, a Jalen Johnson type. No, that's um, fair. I mean, with, a, yeah, you get. He's just so old, man. Like, but I, but I think for a team like the Warriors, that's where it makes the most sense to like give me someone who will be in the rotation, like Desmond Bain type of, just can can play for me because there are like, yeah, don't get me started. But like, Baysmore is not gonna cut it. Kelly Oubre is not. Nice. Anyways, bro, we gotta we gotta dip out of here because we're getting close to two hours, bro. But I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone who turned in. Draft is on Thursday. I hope this gets you just a little bit more excited. 
Um, I will make sure when I'm when I'm posting this on Instagram, bro, I will make sure to link your Twitter and the draft guide. It, I've gone through it myself. It's really, really good stuff. Sarge has legitimately sat down and watched at all the tape available of all these guys. So it's, it's definitely and it's completely free. You have guys, you know, making you pay and stuff like this. This will help you get prepped for the draft. Um, and then Sarge will be back with with another buddy of mine um, in about a week to just go through a, a recap and, and more long term outlooks of these guys. Going to be starting other segments where I take ran. I got a bunch of idiots at my disposal from my fantasy league who just are chomping at the bit to talk basketball. Um, have more fantasy related uh, podcasts and, and shit too, but a lot of stuff to look forward to. I appreciate you guys all spending some time with us, and uh, we'll be back throughout the uh, throughout the off season. Thanks again, bro. Peace.